Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to The Broad Experience, the show about women, the workplace, and success. I'm Ashley Miltite. This time on the show, women, men, and communication at the office. Men use I'm sorry almost always as a true apology. I did something wrong and I need your forgiveness. Women say I'm sorry as a way of smoothing things over. And why each sex needs to understand and appreciate the other's communication style. Because it really is about capitalizing on differences and moving from you know, great minds think alike to great minds think unalike and really looking at that unalike. Coming up, but first a word from our sponsor. This episode of The Broad Experience is brought to you by Foreign Affairs, the best resource for nonpartisan analysis on important global issues. Recent articles have covered everything from net neutrality to the crisis in Gaza, and Broad Experience listeners may be particularly interested in the female game changers who have written pieces for the magazine in recent years, including Madeleine Albright, Condoleezza Rice, and Hillary Clinton. Foreign Affairs is offering me a special low rate for my listeners, only $19.95 for an entire year. Subscribers also get an exciting new product that just launched, audio editions created in a partnership with Audible.com. You can listen to the latest issue online or on the go by downloading it or streaming it directly from their website. To take advantage of their offer, go to foreignaffairs.com forward slash broad. I've always found language fascinating. As my first guest says, language is how we construct our identities. How we express ourselves reveals a lot about who we are. And so much of what goes on at work, what can make the workplace a tricky environment for women, it goes on beneath the surface. Most of us don't spend a lot of time thinking about how we speak and interact with the opposite sex. To begin this show about how men and women communicate at work, I wanted to get a historical perspective on how each sex uses language. Robin Lakoff is a professor emerita of linguistics at the University of California, Berkeley. In 1975, she wrote a book called Language and Woman's Place. It really started a conversation in academia about language and gender. She says men and women have always signaled their gender through the language they use, even if it's not conscious, and they start young. One of the things that we discovered, uh, there was work that was done that shows that little children who are barely able to be fluent in their language by age three or so can recognize how a boy should talk and how a girl should talk. And they think those who talk the opposite way than they should are silly, you know, and they'll laugh at them. So at that young age, boys and girls know what it is to be a boy or a girl, and it's very important. And by the time men and women get into the workplace, she says, those conversational styles are firmly established, even if they're somewhat less rigid now than they were in the 60s when she first started working. Watching the ad agency drama Mad Men brings it all back. I thought that show was often, according to my memory of back then, pretty darn realistic about 
how men could talk to women and what women had at their disposal to make things better, which was very little. There were no laws. So men naturally assumed that they owned the workplace. Women either stayed out of it or they were in naturally subordinate positions like secretary. And, you know, the guy could be as bossy and as mean and as uh, cruel as he wanted to the subordinates, linguistically and otherwise, and there was not too much they could say. And in fact, the best woman employee was the most silent, it was often felt. So 40 plus years ago, it was all about blending in and shutting up. But today, even when that's not expected, women at all levels have trouble communicating effectively at work. Women in senior positions may be powerful, but they often come across as if they don't want to be seen to be using that power. And that's because most women have been conditioned from birth to communicate more gently than men. Robin says, for example, a lot of women smile when they try to get subordinates to do things. Then, of course, she's criticized for smiling too much. Then, of course, you can't take a person seriously when they do that. But if she doesn't smile, then she doesn't smile enough and somebody who doesn't smile enough is a bitch or something like that. So it's very hard, you know. Men, in other words, have had many generations to learn how to be in the public sphere and learn how to be at work and in an office among other men. Women, really, it's just a couple of generations, really. And the rules aren't set, and therefore practices differ from one office place to another. Meanwhile, men and women can mean different things while using the exact same words. And it's often pointed out that women say I'm sorry a lot more than men do. Men use I'm sorry almost always as a true apology. I did something wrong and I need your forgiveness. Women say I'm sorry sometimes for that reason, but a lot of the time is a way of saying, uh, you know, just smoothing things over, saying I hope this won't be a problem for you. I hope, uh, hope you can work with it. But men hear I'm sorry as they would say I'm sorry. That is, they hear it as a literal apology. And they wonder why women are so apologetic. The research on apologies suggests women who apologize a lot are seen as weak, as not believing in themselves, which can undermine other people's faith in them at work and hurt their progress. Sorry, can I ask a stupid question? That's from a shampoo Sorry. ad that's had millions of views on YouTube lately. That hesitant woman is in a meeting surrounded by men. The entire commercial is bursting with apologetic professional women. Sorry. 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 The ad then urges women to stop apologising and have the courage of their convictions. I have a question. Why don't we go back to the original thing that we did? I thought it was pretty good when I first saw it. Over-apologising is something I've noticed about myself and I've tried to curb it. But one of the women I interviewed for a recent story I did on these ads, she felt the message was patronising. She says most female apologies are simple politeness. And why should women have to change their behaviour? Why can't they just be themselves at work, sorries and all? The whole thing comes back to whose habits are the default setting at the office. And as Robin Lakoff said earlier, men did rule the workplace for decades. That means the way they do things is still seen as the norm. Men tend to be um, more, let's say, aggressive or assertive. They say things directly. They tell people to do things right out. And they often interrupt, particularly they interrupt women. 
women are, first of all, they're better listeners. They tend to be more able to listen for the man or the other woman to get to the point, to get to the end, and then stop. And then they hope they'll get to take a turn. Of course, sometimes people never stop, and then you never get to take a turn because you're not willing to do interruption. That resonates with me. I've let myself be plowed down time and again because the thought of interrupting back just wears me out. I can't be bothered. But men aren't being obnoxious when they interrupt, despite what women may think. They're wired to solve things, to get straight to the point. We'll talk more about this later, but women are wired quite differently. And we're bound by all the social norms for our gender. Women tend to be more indirect, particularly when it comes to getting someone else to do something. You tend not to give direct orders. You tend to frame your desire as a request, as a hint or a suggestion, not a direct order. And you tend sometimes, when, well, when somebody else takes your idea and takes credit for it, you tend to let them do that because, A, nobody else will support you and say, hey, that was your idea. And B, she says, because if you do demand credit, you're breaking an unwritten rule for women that we always be nice and modest, a rule you can bet everyone in the room of either sex will hold you to. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. And now to someone who's trying to get men and women to appreciate one another's communication styles. Barbara Annis grew up in an egalitarian household in Denmark. As far as she was concerned, men and women were exactly the same. She couldn't wait to conquer the workplace. We spoke on Skype. And I was the first woman in sales at Sony and, of course, then went through various levels of management and saw a huge need for developing successful women. But I had a huge blind spot back then. And my blind spot was that I, because I was so successful, I really thought that if I could do it, any woman could do it. So I embarked on delivering workshops for women and it only lasted about one year because what I realized my big aha moment was that I was um, training women to fit into a male paradigm and to be more like men. She's now run her own company Barbara Annis and Associates for more than 20 years. It works with clients usually big global brands and it teaches them what she calls gender intelligence. That's also the title of her latest book. She and her colleagues train men and women to recognize and understand each other's communication styles so no one feels left out or just mystified, and so that women aren't constantly misunderstood. You know, we do diagnostics all the time, and we ask men and women the same questions, and we say things like, you know, do you feel value? You know, do you feel that you can, are you recognized for your diversity or your strength? Do you feel you have an opportunity to advance? You know, those types of uh, Questions And you see some interesting deviations between men and women. Do you feel heard and respected by the member of the opposite gender? You know, men outscore that and women don't. And it's not that men have any ill intentions. It's just that they have blind spots 
you know, and how to really value and empower and coach and give feedback to women. And women feel that. So they go, you know, I'm not really truly valued here. And that's the one, number one reason why women leave corporations today. It's not the myth of what I call the myth of work-life balance. She's not saying that isn't a challenge, but it's not the main reason women leave companies. They leave because they feel they don't mesh with company culture. Often, one of the big differences between men and women at work and at home is how they deal with conflict. When something goes wrong, women tend to internalize it, right? They go, oh, what did I do? You know, and they ruminate about it, etc. And for men, men tend to externalize it, like what happened? So it becomes much more analytical, right, or rational. And when women personalize, internalize, and ruminate about it, it looks irrational when it's not, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I was just speaking to... Uh, a CEO from a Silicon Valley technology company last week and we had just conducted a diagnostic and there were some conflictual situations and he kept saying to me why don't they just stop the drama they being the women in the company they were stewing too much as far as he was concerned so I talked about hardwiring of the brain I talked about the neuroscience and he went oh I mean he swore right holy you know what right I had no idea that men and women resolve conflict differently. Then he realized how different his own family life could be in future with his wife and daughters. So that is the communication difference that we really need. And that's a conflictual thing. But even just natural communication styles, such as the question, what do you think, right? Men react to and answer that question very differently than women do. Men tend to say, oh, what do I think? Well, I'm being asked to give my opinion. Right. So I'm just going to give the bottom line. I think this or I think you should do this. Right. And women hear it as a much more of an opening to a conversation and bringing a bigger context. And often that means that can get misinterpreted as if she doesn't have an opinion when she's actually really sharing, you know, some very complex thoughts. So many women start talking. They delve into that context. Meanwhile, men can interpret that as she's going off topic. Why hasn't she just answered the question? This came up in a Harvard Business Review piece this spring that I thoroughly recommend. It's about how even senior women struggle to get their points across in meetings. The women the authors surveyed were frustrated. The men recognized the problem, but didn't understand the women's behavior around the table. The guys felt they were being direct and to the point and they couldn't understand why these women were sort of waffling and beating about the bush. And one guy talked about two senior women. Um, one woman, he said, was caught up in her passion for the topic. So she said the same thing three times. And the other woman, he said, she kept picking up disparate points along the way. And it was like seeing a snowball going downhill, picking up debris. I know I do that. Why do women tend to do that? What is going on? And why are men the way they are? And, and so here it is. So men, hardwiring of the brain is much more unifocal, right? So it's focusing in. So, you know, we call it convergent thinking versus divergent thinking, right? So men look at convergent thinking. Let's reach to the bottom line. Let's stay on the agenda, right? And women use divergent thinking. What are we not seeing here? What are we not catching? What do we need to include in this decision-making, you know, we have m- many more neuron firings in our brain, right? We process information differently. We process it more contextually. Our prefrontal cortex is more fine, and that's the consequential thinking of the brain, 
right, is more connected in women. And also we have more long-distance memory centers in the brain. So we look at it contextually, web-like thinking, so we catch these things. But here's the thing, catching these things is important in the decision-making. Otherwise, she says, it's only the male reading of a situation that goes into that final decision, and you need both sides to get the best result. Because it really is about capitalizing on differences and moving from, you know, great minds think alike to great minds think unalike. And really looking at that unalike, like you do and I do. But it's viewed today, because we do have a male system, as we're going off agenda, right? Wait a minute, where are you going with this? You're off agenda. When you're not, you're actually just bringing a richer, deeper perspective to it that will enrich your problem solving and innovation. I went back to that HBR article on women in meetings. It was clear many female managers had trouble breaking into the conversation in the first place, or they felt their voices got lost. Barbara says she runs workshops where clients get to see this exact scenario play out. So what we do is we show actors simulating a typical meeting in a workshop, and we, and we ask both men and women, what do, you, what do you notice? And the women, of course, notice most things. They go, oh, well, I noticed that she, did, she, she spoke up, but she was drowned out. Or three chairs down, he restated what she said, and then it was heard, right? That, and, the, and the men say, I didn't see that at all. Pl- play that tape again. Let me see if that's actually. And then they look and go, oh, yeah, you're right. I, I just saw that. If you don't have the eyes to see it, you perpetuate it, right? So the equal learning for both men and women is that men need to see that that actually happens, not like a blame, but just like an aha moment, creating that. And women also need to speak to the listening, right? So if we speak uh, and we're just being suggestive in how we speak versus really speaking to how they can hear it, right? Like, I have a great idea, right? Just declare it versus, have you considered this possibly, you know, like that kind of thing? <laughs> Right? Yeah, you're using the conditional tense. You got it, right? And and just and boy, do they pay attention, right? When you frame it up, not change who you are, but just frame it up in your language, right? There's a beautiful example of a of a woman who uh, she was a chief diversity officer, and now since has advanced. Her name is Jennifer, in American Express. She called me. We were on the call, and she said, "You know, it's so interesting. People say that I'm not strategic enough," and I went. Jennifer, you're the most strategic person I know. And she said, I know, I think strategic all the time. I'm always thinking that. And I said, well, let's explore how are you communicating it. And she said, oh, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, throwing, I'm throwing it out there, right, in a suggestive way because I want to be inclusive, right? I don't want to just impose my strategy, etc. And I said, okay, just do this. Put the word strategic in your sentences, right, when you open them up, such as, Let's just to be strategic for a moment or to think strategically or how this fits to our strategic priorities. It worked. No more complaints about her not being strategic. She says, yes, men's style is much more direct. She calls it transactional. And women's style tends to be less direct, more inclusive. But they don't have to clash. It's really about appreciating both because we have misinterpreted men's transactional style as being dismissive uh, or exclusionary. And men have misinterpreted women's style as not being logical, you know what I mean, or thinking strategically, as I just mentioned earlier, when it actually is just a style different that are very complementary to one another. One thorny communication problem persists in a lot of workplaces, feedback or the lack of it. Research shows men feel awkward giving women honest feedback about their performance. So every time we do a diagnostic, we see that we ask men 
are you comfortable giving feedback, direct feedback to men? And they scored very high. And then we asked them, are, you know, to what degree are you comfortable giving direct feedback to women? And they scored very low. And that, that's on an online survey that we do. And then, of course, in the workshops and focus groups, we look at the implications of that. And we find that women don't get the direct feedback, so they can't learn as much as men. Men will go over to, you know, Bob will go over to Steve and say, oh, Steve, you've got to fix these three things, Right. And then Bob will go over to Kathy and say, oh, Kathy, how are you? How was your day? You know, they soft pedal the feedback. And when I speak to executives and CEO men, they'll say, I have a great team. You know, I've got eight men and two women who report to me, you know, and they're all great. Now, these two women, if they could only fix this thing, they would be even better. And then I ask, have you ever told them? And you see that kind of eyes wide open, kind of, uh-oh. And, and that's what we need to break through. We need to increase a comfort zone for men to provide the feedback in a way that it's empowering for them and empowering for women, right? So it is a huge uh, challenge. And we're going to be coming back to that challenge in a future episode of the show. Before we finished our conversation, Barbara and I came back to the topic of how much women tend to dwell on things that happen at work. So women tend to worry more, right? And as I mentioned, ruminate more, you know, that internal dialogue that goes on. And, you know, and I always say to women, think about this. Is there any cheese down that tunnel, first of all, to worry about this? Is there any cheese down that tunnel, a real problem, in other words? Or is it time to, uh, you know, say, okay, I've handled it to to the degree that I can, and now I'm going to let it go, right? So I I do that because I tend to worry, and I'm going, okay, is this good enough? Am I good? Yes, let it go. Just let it go, (laughs) right? And I literally say that, and it frees me up to uh, not be worried about that. Now, there are certain things that is really important to be worried about, you know what I mean? So I'm not saying dismiss on things that are really vital, but the small things, if they're on your worry list, I would strike them off and create a clean slate. Barbara Annis. Her latest book is called Gender Intelligence. That's the broad experience for this time. I'll post links to some of the books and articles I've mentioned on the show under this episode at thebroadexperience.com. You can comment there or on the show's Facebook page. Let me know if any of what we've discussed today has happened in your workplace. Thanks very much to those of you who've reviewed the show on iTunes. If you haven't and you like what you hear, please consider adding a review. It helps the show get noticed and reach more people's ears. That helps me continue to attract sponsors and I need them to keep going. Talking of which, you can also support the show by visiting our sponsor. Check out their website and support my work here by going to foreignaffairs.com broad. That's foreignaffairs.com broad. It all helps. I really appreciate it. Thanks again to April Leslie for her help in making this episode. I'm Ashley Milne-Tite. Thanks for listening. I'll be back in September. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... 
HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 